Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Wednesday, August 16th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Morsolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Your phone calls today around 11.15. We didn't have a whole lot of time in hour number one if you were looking at the clock. Hour number two will make room for you around 11.15-602-260-1060 is the number to join the program. Let's reset the scene, though, with today's poll questions, and we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question, which is about the Baltimore Ravens. We had a conversation with Luke Jones from WNST.net talking all things Ravens. So is it over under 10 and a half wins for this Baltimore team? 55% on the over, under sitting at 45%. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, you know, getting to the playoffs, as we mentioned with Luke Jones in the last hour, uh, certainly has not been an issue. Winning playoff games uh, has been an issue, but you know, this total has nothing to do with the postseason. So, you know, kind of you know, decide whether do you, you think they're just a good regular season team, or you wonder if they're a good enough regular season team this year to get what you need 11 wins from them and what I think is a really good division and arguably the best division in the NFL. Absolutely, and we will uh, dive more into that with our answers around 11.30 today. Flipping this on over to Twitter at KDOSAM1060, as it is for the 2023 Tennessee Titans and maybe not the best division in football, the AFC South over (laughs) under 7.5 wins. The masses sit at 63.6% on the over, 36.4% on the under. Bold statement there, Kayla. That Very this bold. Is not the best. Yeah. Okay. That's that's impressive. You you've been studying for the NFL this year. Very good. So that's that's good. Okay. Um, they're going for it though. At least as far as the AFC South goes, uh, because you know, they brought back Tannehill. He's got this huge cap hit, and they brought him back. You know, they brought back Derrick Henry. There was talk. Throughout the offseason, maybe not through the entire offseason, but you know, certainly leading up and through the draft, uh, there was speculation that he might actually trade Henry. I'm not exactly sure as good as he is what the market is for Derrick Henry at this point, considering the market for running backs and whatever, but they kept him. And obviously late in the summer, uh, at least late in the offseason summer, they signed DeAndre Hopkins, so they're going for it. Uh, and the, before last year's disastrous season, when pretty much everything that could go wrong went wrong for them, they had made the playoffs in three previous seasons and won the division a couple of times. So uh, I think that's probably their reasoning there. We will answer that question as well around 11.30. Still time for you to cast your vote. As I mentioned, your calls 11.15-602-260-1060. For the Arizona Cardinals, they're back in Tempe, working ahead of Saturday's 5 p.m. game against the Chiefs for preseason game number two. Offensive coordinator Drew Petting addressed the media yesterday. A few takeaways from uh, some of the things that he had to say. Overall, from the offensive side of the ball, he said that some 
some good, some bad. Guys competed, plenty of things to clean up and work through uh, the next couple of weeks, but encouraged by the performance, that seems like a pretty standard answer there. Yeah, it gets kind of uh, not uh, you know, anything, uh, whether it's the, you know, the Cardinals coaching staff or around the league, I don't think there's a whole lot going on as far as uh, any comments from any coaches, unless they're, I guess, unless Sean Payton's talking <laughs> uh, for the first part of the season. Uh, so I don't think that's terribly alarming. I, I will say one thing, and one thing I'm going to be definitely paying most attention to, or you know, if it's not number one on my list, my mental list, because I don't exactly have a list written down. Uh, but you know, the preseason game number two against the Chiefs on Saturday, uh, it'd be nice if Paris Johnson blocked somebody. Yeah, so he was asked, he being Drew Petzing, was asked about Paris Johnson Jr.'s performance, and he said it was good, competed at a high level, wasn't perfect, but liked to see him compete. I thought he sucked. Uh, so I thought it was just basically a, he was a turnstile. Uh, so, yeah, and, you know, playing right tackle. Um, but, you know, the one thing that we probably don't stress enough, and I don't think it's really stressed enough in the NFL the last couple of years, you know, you need two tackles that can protect the quarterback now. You used to just be the blindside guy because usually, you know, the main pass rusher from the opponent came from the, you know, the defensive right side of the formation. And now I think there's pass rushers coming from, at least on the good teams, from at least the good defenses, coming from everywhere. And, uh, you know, he was bad. Uh, I don't even think it's arguable that he was bad on, on, uh, in the opener on Friday night. And, it's, and the Broncos didn't even have some of their main defensive guys out there. Yeah, there were a couple of very noticeable situations there for Paris Johnson Jr. letting uh, – letting his defender by him. So definitely want to see that cleaned up uh, on Saturday if the Chiefs are going to be playing any of their starters, uh, if you will. The other things that... Not, not just in pass protection, too. I mean, you know, Clement got destroyed on a running play, and that's when Johnson completely whiffed on that block. Other things that caught my attention from Petting overall, he thought operations were clean, staff did a good job, uh, got in and out of the huddle effectively. In addition to that, we've talked about it. Uh, he's trying to figure out where he's going to call plays from. So he called plays last week from the field. He said he's going to go up into the booth this week, uh, wants to do that to provide the best possible educated decision for himself on where to call plays from for the season. Maybe you should ask Kyler where he would be most familiar or comfortable, I should say, calling, uh, you know, getting the play. So that seems like an extra step that's not necessary if he's in the booth. But that's just me talk, talking out loud, maybe. As for Clayton Toon, he had a lot of opportunity in preseason game one. He said good, took steps in the right direction, looking for operation and decision making from Toon. Overall, uh, he, he thought it was good. Yeah, my opinion of him hasn't changed. I liked him in college. Uh, now that I've seen a little more of him here, you know, I know it's a grand total of one training camp practice, but, yeah, we saw him throw the ball a lot a couple of Saturdays ago in that red-white scrimmage. He threw the ball more than any quarterback they had out there, and I'm guessing of the 7-on-7 uh, seven and 11-on-11 seven, 11 11 drills that they had that day, that he threw the ball 75% more than anybody else they had. Uh, so, you know, we saw him a lot. 
And it kind of just goes along with what I thought about him in college. I think he's very accurate on the shorter passes inside the middle of the field. It seems as if uh, you know, you know he used to be outside, you know, depending on whether you're talking about the college field or the, the NFL field, but either outside the hashes or outside the numbers, the longer that his passes go air yards wise, it seems like his accuracy, you know, most everybody's going to slip some, but it seems like that's not his forte. So, you know, if they're going to, if he's going to play, I think that, uh, you know, they need to take advantage of his strengths, which clearly are the shorter passes. And the last thing that caught my attention from Petting was just asked about goals for facing the Chiefs, uh, and he said win. If they keep score, we play to win. We got to take another step on offense, continue taking care of the football and operations. If we get better every day and every game, that we'll be happy with where we are. Okay, there's another thing, more things that I just expect the coach to say. I mean, there, there's nobody, I shouldn't say that maybe, but few people on the planet care about who wins preseason games. I've actually left preseason games before and spring training games in baseball for that matter. I don't even know who's winning or won the game or whatever. I uh, just you know, just there to look for certain things. So, you know, if they want to you know, win the preseason, congratulations. I guess that works out well for Baltimore. They never lose a preseason game. They don't win any regular season uh, postseason games anymore, but they kick ass in the preseason. But, you know, winning is the last thing that I think is important for the Cardinals. I know that they want to establish this culture and all that crap. I hear that from every college and pro coach in the planet in the, the months of, you know, August and September, you know, until the season actually starts. I'm really tired of the culture thing, but uh, – Whatever, that seems to, to be the universal comment from every coach. That coach I, I'm guessing if I covered high school football, still that would be you know, something we hear from them too. Is culture uh, your least favorite buzzword then? It is right now. At this time of the year, absolutely without question. I don't, you know, I'm sure there's, you know, I'll think of something that might be second, but uh, I might have to think about that for a little while. <laughs> You know, I, I agree with you that I've heard a lot about the culture and I'm like, OK, let's let's find another angle to, to talk about here. I, I will say, though, that I think there is absolutely something to how you practice and the mentality that you bring to practice translates to game day because it's not so much of an effort it's been something that you've just been doing so it becomes repetitive and it's just part of of who you are and the player that you are because you're putting in the effort in practice so I don't know what a better term other than culture would be for just kind of repetitious and getting yourself into a mindset ready to perform I think better players would be a better term uh, whether it's here or anywhere else I mean it, you know, it's amazing how those practices are better and you know, the culture seems to not even be an issue when you have good players. And they don't have very many of them here, and there's other teams in the league. Uh, most of the teams that had coaching changes didn't do well last year, so maybe that's a, you know, maybe I just have listened to, I've watched too much NFL Network and, you know, ESPN at 1 o'clock on our, our time on uh, Monday through Friday, whatever that show's called, my apologies. The show that Laura Rutledge used to be the host, and I guess she's like on maternity leave or something right now. Are you talking about NFL but Live? That's it. There you go. Um, so you know, between those two shows, I'm so sick of the word culture, I just like scream every time I, I hear it. 
Uh, transactions. Sean Chandler added yesterday to the safety room. Five seasons in the NFL. Giants 2018 to 2020. Panthers 2021 to 2022. Um, I was a bit surprised to see safety, another safety being added because I think it's probably the strongest and deepest unit that they have on the roster. I don't know about the deepest. I'd say the strongest. Uh, certainly the first two guys, without question, I think that's the strength of the Cardinals team with Baker and Thompson. Uh, they're also, remember, they're using three safeties, and it seems to be their preferred you know, scheme that you know, Simmons is out there too. So they've got, I think, that, I think it's maybe more of a camp body thing. And, and let's face it, if somebody's still out there as a free agent at this point of uh, – of the season unless you're you know, somebody that has some kind of financial value and trying to get better a better deal somewhere uh, if somebody's still out there right now whether it's here or anywhere that gets signed to a roster you're probably not very good uh, then of course Zach Ertz being uh, activated off of the pup list and we had known that about on Monday's show as well 602 that, two, oh sorry go no, ahead sorry no, I was just going to say, I think the big thing about him, and I heard it, in fact, uh, on the Athletic, uh, the athletic podcast, uh, th- th- and I've heard this for weeks, that if he proves he's healthy uh, before, the, before the season starts or before the trade deadline, it seems like nobody in the NFL thinks that Ertz is going to be here with the Cardinals, even though he wants to live here. I remember before his wife's got a deal going on here, too. Uh, but it would sure seem to suit the Cardinals best in their situation that if he's any good, you know, the tight end landscape in the, in the NFL is very thin. They could, I think, get some return, certainly at least a draft pick or maybe even two for him if they traded him. 602-260-1060, that's the number if you'd like to join. Call now. We'll talk to you on the other side. We'll continue the NFL talk next. Carving out time in your afternoon for the Doug Gottlieb Show, right here on KDUS AM 1060, 100.7 HD2, and KDUS1060.com. Weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. Eleven twenty-one, right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Once again, download the KDOS 1060 app, register and follow along with the uh, with the instructions for how you can potentially be eligible for a $100 gift certificate courtesy of Superbook Sports that's happening now through the end of the month. 602-260-1060 if you'd like to join the program. Uh, Bob, it's a fun staple for you Tuesday nights. Uh, that's hard knocks, and it continued yesterday, of course, the team being the New York Jets. I'm sure your most favorite part about the episode was when mentalist and magician Oz Perlman yeah. joined the Jets for a meeting. Yeah, I mean, the players are fascinated by the whole thing. I'm not buying the whole thing as legit, but whatever. That's just me. I'm a little skeptic about whether it's you know, whatever this guy's name is or anything else. Uh, but you know, there was about you know, that was two or three minutes of totally wasted time. And between that and the you know, the annuals, you know, absolutely ridiculous. You know, the you know, rookie, you know, entertainment portion where they either sing or dance or do something ridiculous. Those are the things that actually actually the the, the annual part of Hard Knocks that I detest the most 
And it was the same night, so hopefully we we'll don't get to any more of that because that's like maybe 10 minutes, uh, pretty close to it. It was They spent a lot of time on that. Some things that I did pay attention to, uh, there was less Aaron Rodgers this week, still plenty of Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you know, for a guy that supposedly didn't want hard knocks around, he sure seems to like the stage here, shockingly. I'm not surprised at this at all. Also, I do think it's kind of funny that they, uh, you know, that Wilson actually calls Aaron Rodgers' dad all the time. Uh, so I did think that, that 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 was good. The worst thing that uh, this episode, other than the you know the two things we already mentioned there, but just as far as the football part, and they had a joint practice situation with the Panthers scheduled last week. I'll get to that in a little more in a minute, but because of that, we didn't get any of the Sauce Gardner. Uh, against Wilson, you know, the cornerback wide receiver matchup. That's the one thing I want to see the most uh, during this five-week run of the Jets and Hard Knocks because those are two elite players at their position. And uh, they did show some of it in week one of Hard Knocks last week, uh, but there was none of that yesterday. And I'm hoping that they increase that greatly in the next you know, three episodes before they're done. They'd have two joint practices scheduled with the Panthers. Unfortunately, it was a you know a deluge for week two, a day two of that. So I'm not sure what the Panthers did, but the Jets just went inside and practiced. Uh, so unfortunately, we didn't get much out of that part. But the first day, uh, in addition to multiple scuffles, which you know, both coaches seemed to be pretty upset with what was going on with that, but you know, that's part of the deal. When you have a joint practice, it seems as if it seems as if it's like a 50-50 chance there's going to be some kind of physical altercation at some point. You just hope that obviously nobody gets hurt. Now Rodgers did participate in the win, the, the one day that they did practice, and that's the that might be I'm guessing it's going to be the only time this year, unless they have another joint practice schedule with some other team. But that might be the only time that he actually faces another first-team defense until the regular season starts. Uh, so we'll see what's up with that. The one, the two things I did notice about this when it was, you know, the ones against the ones, is the Jets' offensive line, which I don't think there's any doubt in my mind, at least, it's the worst that Aaron Rodgers has ever played behind. Their offensive line got destroyed. Uh, and so much so that in the meeting after that joint practice that first day is that Robert Sala just ripped his offensive line, and with good reason. I mean, uh, it was bad. I mean, you know, Rodgers, if it were in the regular season, he would have been either sacked, he was actually forced to scramble a couple of times just in the, in the, in the practice part of things. Now, on the other side of this, though, you know, the Carolina offensive line – uh, it doesn't appear to be very good either. And you know, against the Jets' offensive line with Quinn and Williams and others, and Quinn and Williams is a monster, by the way. He's great. We knew that before hard knocks. But, you know, the Jets' offensive line – excuse me, the uh, the uh, Panthers' offensive line, the, the Jets dominated that portion too, uh, which is not all that surprising, as we've said for a while. Uh, but, you know, this was just uh, – you know, th- those were the ones against the ones, so those things stood out. Also, they showed some highlights of the game, obviously. They played on Saturday. I did think it was pretty funny when the uh, Jets over-exuberant uh, radio announcer at the end of the game was bragging because it was the largest Jets shutout ever in a preseason game. 
uh, 27 to nothing. If there's ever a stat that's more worthless than that, I can't imagine what it would be. Who cares? But you know, he thought it was a big deal, and he said it like a couple of different times. Actually, in that game, and I heard, and I believe maybe even Kayla, you might have mentioned on Monday when we uh, had your, your preseason run down there, Bryce Young got that crap kicked out of him in this game. He got destroyed on like two or three different plays, and I don't know how long the Panthers can let that continue, but, uh, I mean, that was, he was just – he got killed. The first play of the game he got destroyed. And it didn't get – he got hit two, a couple more times, and, you know, he wasn't out there for more than a series or maybe two. Uh, but, you know, the offensive lines in the, either the joint practices or the actual game itself, for the camp, from, at least from the Carolina part, uh, that was – they weren't good. They were not good at all, and their quarterbacks uh, were under pressure or got, got smacked around some. So that's kind of the bottom line of uh, some of the things that stood out yesterday. But it was, a, I thought, a very disjointed uh, for Cardinals, which is usually, I think, a fabulously produced uh, you know, program in the preseason. Uh, the uh, training camp version, I keep saying preseason, but the training camp version of Hard Knocks, I thought it was just kind of, uh, you know, not sure. Maybe that, I don't think it was, you know, the, the fact that that second joint practice got canceled I don't think that I can't imagine that played a huge role, but I'm just trying to think, why wasn't this as slick as the you know hard knocks as the hard knocks the episodes that I've watched for many years? And it clearly was, I disjointed. I think is the best word I can think of. Uh, you're mentioning there about the offensive line. The quote, which I'm cleaning up from head coach Robert Sala, you can have a Hall of Fame quarterback. You can have two 10 million plus receivers. You can have a reigning offensive rookie of the year. You can have all kinds of skill in the running back room. None of it matters until the big boys up front change who we are. Uh, so obviously expressing that displeasure with the offensive uh, offensive line there. And I will be curious to see because uh, what th- this episode already, well, no, I mean, they would probably be working really late on Monday to get things all organized, but there wasn't really anything about Dalvin Cook, so curious to see how that'll be for next Tuesday with Cook being in the building. You know, I didn't know that Cook is – he might be suspended by the NFL for this season. He had some kind of issue off the field that I wasn't aware of until – like I guess that was yesterday afternoon I learned about this. So he might be subject for some suspension here. So maybe that's why another reason that he didn't sign early in uh, his you know, free agency period after he got let by, let go by uh, Minnesota. I'll add one other thing. Uh, I think that the Jets' current coaching staff is, you know, there's been some foul mouth coaching staffs in the history of Hard Knocks, including Rex Ryan, of course, who was the all-time individual leader in uh, the F-bombs in his time with Hard Knocks many years ago. But I actually think this, quote, coaching staff uh, might be number one in the foul mouth meter uh, of any uh, group that has ever been on hard knocks. Uh, The one area of criticism that I did see uh, from yesterday and reading it about this morning here is that there haven't been any player evaluations between coaches and the personnel department so far. And I, I guess... Would you prefer to see and hear coaches talking about players at their different positions as they're trying to make make roster spots? Absolutely. I think that's an outstanding observation and uh, criticism. 
And you know, for somebody who's you know watching and you know, for watched for years and gotten uh, some things out of this, I mean, it's it's still preseason slash training camp. So, I mean, I'm not making a whole lot of uh, you know decisions as far as what I might be do. They might be doing wagering wise or prediction wise during the season. But yeah, as much football stuff as they can have instead of that crap that started the show last night and then the stupid entertainment thing. I'm all for it, but uh, I think that's a really valid criticism uh, the, uh, from the episode, the first two episodes. The first episode, usually it's just kind of a, you know, kind of like the first day at school. When you go to a new school, if you're a kid, it's kind of like you, you, the, the meet and greet thing, and you know, you've got, you have, without the name tags, I guess, or you know, I guess, I guess you have your one name tag because everybody in the, your school knows everybody except for you, but. It's just uh, your first episode. I don't really care about that, but I was really dis- I was pretty disappointed in last night's episode, quite frankly. I wonder how much editorial control the teams now have over this, and if right. they're the ones that are kind of putting the kibosh on the player evaluations because they don't want, you know, one, uh, th- what they think about certain players to be picked up by other teams if they think there's some sort of competitive advantage behind it. Uh, I- I'm just kind of curious as to why that hasn't been more heavily shown. Yeah, I think that's been an inconsistent thing for the entire, you know, you know how many, however many years Hard Knocks has been on. You know, sometimes you get a lot of that and sometimes you don't. And I, I assume that's because, you know, some of the coaches, some of the coaching staffs and organizations, you know, try to have more control than others. They keep, you know, I've been to the NFL has actually said in the past that, you know, the coaching, you know, the organizations don't control the editorial, you know, the, the, they don't have the editorial decisions which I've always thought is a bunch of crap and I've never believed it. But it has fluctuated from year to year of how much of the things, the, uh, you know, the individual you know, instruction and, and so forth has happened. Now, also, I'm guessing not much of that has happened over the first two weeks of the season and the, you know, the episode. So we'll see if that increases. And, you know, I don't even know who the Jets play this week in the preseason, but uh, – yeah, so I don't know if that'll change in the, in the future, but you know there there hasn't been much so far. There's no question about that. They play the Buccaneers. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not sure what I think of that. Baker Mayfield, I guess we get to see some Baker Mayfield. That's exciting. I guess he was great the other day. He was like, you know, Heisman Trophy Baker Mayfield in the first preseason game, which of course is you know, really important. Um, I was going to do this, but I think we will save it for tomorrow. The Athletic put together their top 25, 25 or under list. And so you have to be at least 25 or younger before week one's games get started. And rookies are not eligible to be on this list. And uh, I kind of disagree with a bit of the order of uh, how they're all ranked here. So we'll save that for tomorrow. Instead, we will talk about Monday, August 21st, the Diamondbacks take on the Texas Rangers. It's ASU night. Fans can purchase a special event ticket package to receive a game ticket and co-branded ASU Diamondbacks t-shirt. Visit dbacks.com slash ASU to secure your tickets. Once again, that's Monday, August 21st with the Diamondbacks hosting the Rangers at 6.40 p.m. 
And right now, caller number three is the winner of a four-pack of tickets to Monday, August 21st game. 602-260-1060 is the number. Caller three, 602-260-1060. And that's dbacks.com slash ASU for your special event package to receive a game ticket and co-branded ASU Diamondbacks tee as the Diamondbacks host the Texas Rangers. 602-260-1060. Caller three is happening right now. On the other side of the break, Bob and I return and we answer today's poll questions, the KDOS1060.com poll question, as well as the Twitter poll question at KDOSAM1060. It's all happening here on KDOSAM1060 in the Extra Point. Listener rewards for you with the KDOS 1060 app. Download today to hear all of the national and local shows you love. That's the KDOS 1060 app. Congratulations to our winner of the four-pack of tickets to Monday, August 21st, Diamondbacks at Rangers game. It's ASU night. Fans, of course, can purchase a special ticket package to receive a game ticket and co-branded ASU Diamondbacks tee. That's dbacks.com slash ASU to secure your tickets now for the Monday, August 21st game, 640 start. Welcome back. It is the Extra Point here on KDUS AM 1060. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Let's get into it. It's the poll questions, kdus1060.com comms poll question we had a conversation with luke jones from wnst.net talking all things ravens and if you missed it luke is always great to speak with podcast over at kdos1060.com as well as with the kdos1060 app but the 2023 baltimore ravens win total it's sitting at 10 and a half so over or under 10 and a half bob I'm definitely interested in a lot of these you know, totals that we've mentioned in the last you know couple of three weeks now I've not been interested in betting, but we answer for poll question purposes. But I'm definitely interested in betting under this. There are there's at least one eleven in the state of Arizona. You got to lay a price if you're going to bet the under on that. Uh, but even before the the Marlon Humphrey situation today, we don't know how long he's going to be out. It appears he's going to be out for the first part of the season at least. But you know they play for, just to repeat from earlier. They play for their first six games on the road. And three of those games are at Cincinnati, at Cleveland, and at Pittsburgh. So that's half of your division schedule right there. Uh, and uh, I just don't believe in Lamar Jackson. Uh, I don't care who his receivers are. Um, I just don't think he's an accurate passer. And I've seen it for a n- number of years now. I you know, question his accuracy when he was at Louisville. We've seen some passers that weren't good and uh, accurate in college become accurate or more accurate in the NFL, which is, I think, uh, you know, not exactly, uh, you know, that, that's usually not the case, quite frankly. Josh Allen is, you know, not the, you know, the the rule that you just kind of follow along because he did it and some other guys can do it. I just don't believe Lamar is an effect, you know, a really good passer or an accurate passer. I don't think it really has mattered who the regular, who the receivers are. If you're not accurate, you're not accurate. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Between that, I really question their defensive front. 
Uh, you know, they lost Calais Campbell. Uh, they've uh, you know, been trying to get an edge rusher here for a couple of weeks because they're not exactly 100% confident on their, their two edge rushers. You know, Najobu from Michigan, uh, who was unfortunately for him, suffered the Achilles injury before the draft while he was doing his uh, you know, combine. Or I think it was a, you know, actually like that workout was at Michigan before the draft. And uh, he had to sit. He was basically out almost all of last season. He played a couple games or had a few snaps towards the end of the year. And then uh, I forget the gentleman's name who they drafted two years ago. He's been a complete bust so far. And uh, so you know, I just I think you know, I just don't think they're that good. Plus the addition. I'm sure Kayla, you're probably going to mention this if you're on this side, or maybe if you even if you might mention it anyway. This division, uh, I think you can make a pretty good case as the toughest division, top to bottom, uh, and of any team and of any division in the league. And so I'm under the ten and a half, and I might even you know venture into a little the under eleven and lay a price. Uh, so I think that this Ravens team has a chance to be good, but I think their schedule is a tough one. I also, now with the news about Marlon Humphrey, that certainly is very concerning how the secondary is going to unfold. And certainly, as you laid out, question marks there about getting a pass rush there. So I think with that kind of uh, now percol- percolating here for the Ravens, plus the question marks about the offense, uh, we didn't really get get into it with um, uh, Luke here was the offensive line and the health of Ronnie Stanley and certainly that makes and breaks things for this offensive unit for him and his health and the offensive line but the question marks were more about Lamar Jackson and of course you know how things are going to to work with him and Todd Munkin now as the new offensive coordinator they have brought in better wide receivers in OBJ they drafted Zay Flowers so they're certainly putting the pieces there that it's time to to show out right Uh, plus you of course have Mark Andrews I just think that you look at this schedule here and even if they are able to put everything together as as John Harbaugh has proven he's been a very solid coach the schedule itself and the situations that they're in with three on the road week four through six and then the conclusion to the season week 15 at the Jags 16 at the 49ers 17 versus the Dolphins in week 18 which is always a physical brute against the Steelers here there's plenty to say I am on the underside of things even if this Baltimore Ravens team uh, is good I just think that this division is is going to be really tough uh, and and so I, I've come almost kind of feel like 10 wins is like maxing out. And, and so therefore I'm on the underside. I think that sounds fair. I'm with you on that. The masses are on the under as well at 56% of the vote over sitting at 44%. Just some numbers for you. Lamar Jackson sitting at over under 3,350 and a half uh, throwing yards, his rushing yards over under 775 and a half yards. I'm curious about this because one, you have health. That's always a factor. Can Lamar Jackson stay healthy for all 17 games? In addition to that, he has wanted to to throw the ball more. So is that going to limit the amount of rushing yards that he has had? In 12 games, he threw 2,242 yards last season. 
season. And last year, he had 112 carries for 764 yards. So that's interesting. Mark Andrews, his go-to tight end over under 800 and a half yards, minus 112. Zay Flowers in his rookie year, over under 500 and a half yards, minus 112. And OBJ returning to the field, over under 580 and a half yards, minus 112. I'll just add one more thing about Munkin. I mean, it's not like he has in the NFL before. He was, you know, coordinator. I don't know if the official titles were, but yeah, he was being you know, part of the offensive staff and/or called plays in Tampa and Cleveland previously. And it's not like those two offenses set the world on fire. In fact, at the end of that, he had to go back to college because he didn't get an NFL job. Flipping this on over to Twitter, at KDOS AM 1060, the 2023 Tennessee Titans over under seven and a half wins. Derrick Henry is still there. Derrick Henry is still really good. Um, Obviously, they're going all in. But if things don't go according to plan, will they entertain ideas to trade him at the trade deadline? I'm just kind of curious about that. Uh, how much is left in the tank for D-Hop? He is their acquisition in the offseason wide receiver. Uh, they're playing in the AFC South, which certainly helps the cause. You just had the news of Anthony Richardson being named the starting Indianapolis Colts quarterback. In addition to that, you have uh, the Houston Texans in the division that are certainly rebuilding for themselves. So when I look at this schedule, though, nothing really overly scares me about this schedule here. So even if I don't think that the Tennessee Titans are going to be a great team, I could see them getting over seven and a half wins. Yeah, I disagree with you on the schedule. In fact, I really want to bet this over. I think that, you know, Vrabel is, uh, I think he's one of the, without a question, one of the best coaches in the league. And, uh, you know, but this guy, I'll just give you some pockets of schedule. I think their first four games are brutal. At New Orleans, home against the Chargers, at Cleveland, and home against Cincinnati. Also, they have a rare stretch. Uh, there's, you know, the NFL's tried to avoid this more in recent years. There used to be like, you know, five, you know, maybe even like ten teams a year that had like three straight road games, uh, but they do. And there's a, like a handful of teams that still have that obstacle this year. I'm not so. I think this might be the first team in all our previews so far that has you know, got a stretch of three straight road games, but they play at Pittsburgh on a Thursday night, which is only that's the first of the three straight road game and you know, road games uh, on a Thursday night. The road team is at a disadvantage. I think most people would agree with that. Then they play at Tampa, you know, and then they play at Jacksonville, and then you no know, matter you know how good a team is or how bad the competition might be. You know, rarely over the years have uh, teams swept three consecutive road games or, quite frankly, won two out of three. Uh, I do think that towards the end of the season, if they're any good, uh, they play three of the last four games at home. And, you know, in the, the one road games at, at Houston, in fact, their last you know, three of their last four, you know, two of the four games are against the, against, against the Texans. That's their schedule against the Texans this year, all in the last four weeks of the season. Um so I'd like to go over. I think they've got some really, really good players on this team. I like Tannehill, as I've mentioned before. Unfortunately, you know, he doesn't have the mobility that he used to have, and he used to really have mobility. Uh, the offensive line took a significant step backwards last year. I like him, and obviously you mentioned Henry's good. They've got some really good defensive players. They've got you know, I think three or four really elite-level players. Uh, but the rest of their defense is a little shaky. 
So I'm wavering, but I'd like to bet them over. Instead, they're a team that if they survive the first four games of the season, I'm going to be pretty impressed if they're 2-2 two and two after the first four games of the season. As opposed to betting on a win total thing here, I would more, more likely be interested in betting on them on a week-to-week basis, assuming they survive those first four games, which are uh, that's a really rough stretch to begin the season. Masses are on the over side of things at 63.6% of the vote, under trailing at 36.4%. That's on Twitter, at KDUS AM 1060. Ryan Tannehill's numbers over under 3,050 and a half yards, minus 112 for Derrick Henry, over under sitting at 1,175 and a half yards. Last season in 16 games, 349 carries, 1,538 yards. D-Hop in his new uniform over under 850 and a half yards and Traylon Burks over under 675 and a half yards the over is a little bit more juiced at minus 118 we wrap up this Wednesday August 16th edition of extra point on the other side of the break right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS 1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports Turn those picks into gold. Wall-to-wall NFL coverage and the biggest stories coming to you from 3 to 5 p.m. The Rich Eisen Show here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. edition of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports invites you to download the KDOS 1060 app if you haven't already done so register and follow along with the listener rewards uh, as that is your chance at a $100 gift certificate from Superbook Sports a bit distracted because it looks like breaking news here that Buccaneers wide receiver Russell Gage is going to be out for the season with a knee injury. I had seen reports earlier in the day that he was carted off and he didn't uh, see, he seemed to be very emotional, uh, but that's what it looks like now that he's going to be done for the season. That's obviously unfortunate. You know, they still have uh, Evans and Godwin, but uh, does it matter who the receivers are if Baker Mayfield's the one pitching him the ball? Or for that matter, the dude that used to be the backup quarterback or the quarterback in Florida whose name I never remember. Kyle Trask. That's him. Yes. There you go. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, All right. It is that time, though, once again. It is thank you time. As always, we thank you for listening, and special thanks to Kayla for remembering Kyle Trask. All right. Good job. Uh, Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever, and whatever else to slip through the cracks. Also, our guest today, a Ravens discussion, longtime Sports Zone guest when we talk Ravens, Luke Jones from WNST in Baltimore. Uh, also on Thursday, we'll preview the Jags at 9.15, the Browns at 10.15. Uh, also, sound today courtesy of, and I just lost my place, but I'll get it back here in just a second. I Maybe I'll get it back. Here we go. Fox, 
NBC, ESPN, Major League Baseball, and also WFAN with uh, the uh, the fading Yankees, who now have the same record as the Diamondbacks at 60 and 60. So if you think the Diamondbacks are good, you probably think the Yankees suck, so maybe you need to reassess your opinion of the Diamondbacks. As always, we thank uh, Kayla and Corey and Aaron, and Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. That's right. Up next from noon to 1 o'clock, it is Sports Map Radio Network, followed by the Doug Gottlieb Show from 1 to 3, the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, and uh, the Sports Zoo with Dave Rooster Bierstein from 5 to 6. It's a Slade Sassoni start versus Austin Gomber for the Rockies as the Diamondbacks wrap up the series today at 12.10 p.m. dbacks.com slash watch to find the channel that services you. ESPN made their announcement about uh, the NBA broadcast teams. So it is official now. The number one team is Mike Breen, Doc Rivers, and Doris Burke. The number two team, Ryan Rucco, J.J. Redick, and Richard Jefferson. Also, Hubie Brown is back and will most likely be paired uh, from time to time with Mark Jones and Dave Pash, who are back. Yeah, um, I think they did well. I mean, obviously, Van Gundy is gone, and that's unfortunate because I think he was the best NBA analyst by far. Uh, Jeff Van Gundy, not to get our Van Gundys confused. Uh, but uh, you know, that's... Uh, so I think they did okay. The best thing is no more Mark Jackson, who provided nothing, uh, seemingly any broadcast in his broadcasting career, in my opinion. Uh, the WNBA Commissioner's Cup champs, the New York Liberty, as they beat the Aces 82-63. to Those teams have clearly separated themselves from the rest of the uh, pack. They'll be back to regular season play before the playoffs get started here shortly. And we know who's in the Women's World Cup. Spain beat Sweden 2-1 to yesterday, and England beat Australia 3-1 to this morning. So it's going to be a Spain and England World Cup final on Sunday morning. That'll do it for this edition of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 as always online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Everyone have yourselves a fantastic rest of your Wednesday. We get things started tomorrow in the Sports Zone at 9 a.m. Talk to you then.